Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your Week in Sports Cars episode brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, your questions, my co-host, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, speaker of words, maker of sounds for WEC, ELMS, and over this little telecommunication device too. Say hello, (laughs) Graham Goodwin. Good evening, everybody, from uh, what's just gone dark here, uh, just outside uh, Mario London town. Um, Reasonably cold day today in the south of England and uh, beginning to kind of rev up towards um, the start of the European season proper in a couple of weeks' time. It's uh, GT World Challenge Europe coming up this weekend, and it is European Le Mans Series kickoff with their pre-season tests the week after that. So... Lots going on, lots of bits and pieces of news. No earth-shattering stuff really at the moment, uh, MP. Uh, lots of cuds, woods, ifs and maybes. Um, will they, won't they uh, do this? Why won't they do that? But uh, it's not been one of those weeks that we've been bothered with uh, blockbuster story after blockbuster story, but it does give us a little bit of time to think. I saw photos of something that, isn't vaporware? Uh, okay. A Collis, by Collis, 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 Carus, okay. Carus, L- Lama. It's the by Collis Lama or the Van Collis. Yes. yes, the the Van Collis. So, uh, where should we start? Uh, oh, picker of categories. Uh, let's start this week with uh, the ACOs, uh, Wack Aslam's Elms and Aco. Um, Daniel Summerskill at very late notice yes. uh, has responded to the clarion call of Roger Warwick's latest tune, the MG EX257. Uh, what a fabulous thing that is. Um, a fiery, another, fiery cartoon, I would say. Even another the notebook thing, on fire. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let me start reading questions to you since you are our expert on FI WEC. Asian Lamas series, ELMS, ACO, and whatnot. James Hewitt, you open the show. Says, with the discontinuation until further notice, mm-hmm. the Pro GT class and ACO rules racing, does this potentially take away a space for anyone who can't afford LMDH or LMH cars? Because I don't see customer LMH Ferraris are going to be anywhere near possible. Uh, does the ACO care about this? So is this a question as you receive a Graham about availability or costs mm-hmm. or both? I think it's it's a bit of a mix and match, isn't it, from James here? So first things first, customer LMH cars, certainly not in year one. Um, so what I've been told is there will be two cars in the first year, and that's all she wrote. Beyond that, it is clear that there is interest in a number of entities purchasing uh, a Ferrari LMH car. Why wouldn't you, if you have the means to do so? Because the one thing we know about limited production Ferraris is their value doesn't sit still. Um, Whether or not those cars will see competition, I think is another point. But generally speaking, if you're buying a competition car, you enhance its value with that wonderful word, provenance. So, Certainly for 2023, I'm not expecting to see uh, a Ferrari customer car in hypercar. Is that the wine uh, region in France, by the way, or the cheese region, Provenance? Uh, I always forget. It's both. Um, it, it's the Vin in the middle of Provenance, and Provence, that's the that's the cheesy bit. Ooh, we're learning stuff here in the show. <laughs> I love it. Uh, but um, I, I do see every chance that we're going to see customer cars for that make. And, and as for the cost of these cars... I think it's the difference between if it was, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of a, of a good, if it was a insert name of white goods manufacturer, LMH or LMDH, then there might be some concern about the value. When you get into Ferrari, Porsche, makes of that kind of order, the reality is there is a ready market for these kind of bespoke vehicles. And there's a pretty much assured investment factor in play for those vehicles. So, oddly enough, even though it's very likely to be amongst the most expensive cars, if they do decide there's going to be customer cars built, I don't see a problem with them finding takers for those cars. Uh, So, there is a bit of hashtag wait and see about this one. 
There are no certainties about takers. There's a few that people could have a wild stab in the dark that they might be uh, interested in uh, buying one of those cars. Um, but it's not necessarily the people buying the cars that would race the cars. That's the other thing to say about this. It's, you know, it is uh, it is a well-established thing in sports car racing that people invest in these vehicles. That is the investment. They don't necessarily expect to drive those cars. Uh, there will be a lot of names who have owned cars that you and I, MP, and everybody listening will have seen and heard racing over the last uh, two decades and more that the actual owner has never been within 50 miles of the racetrack while it's running. Uh, it is an asset, an investment, and we can be, I guess, pleased that they've done that down through the years, otherwise we'd have had fewer cars running. Uh, so, yeah, don't think we're going to get that uh, anytime immediately soon, but I do think there's every prospect we'll see it from 24 onwards. As for the Pro GT class, yeah, we've read the uh, the pieces that have been written about that and the if, buts, maybes, coulds and mites. The reality, I think, as I said last week, MP, is if Porsche aren't doing it and they tell us they're not, and if Ferrari aren't doing it and they tell us they're not because both of them have got a car in the top class, the reality is you're going to struggle to get to the minimum of four. That is what the ACO say they require for WC Pro Class. So we better start focusing on something else, and that something else is going to be a GT3-based Pro-Am class uh, across the WC and at Le Mans with no GT Pro moving forward. And that raises a lot of other questions that will come out in the fullness of time. There we go. That is an extensive answer to open the show. Uh, James Bellinger, interesting question here. I kind of want to respond to it myself. Says that Sebring Graham having the WC race on Friday. IMSA on Saturday feels like IMSA's the bigger deal, which is odd when the WC is the world championship. Is that how it is perceived at the track? That would be a massive no. (laughs) Not in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Keep in mind the 12 hours of Sebring is America's oldest professional endurance race. 70 years this year. Uh, IMSA, granted it's been under some different names over the years but uh this is imsa's most uh valuable most storied race this no disrespect to the 24 hours of daytona which is younger uh by comparison but the 12 hours of sebring is the crown jewel for american endurance racing it is our equivalent not in length but in terms of let's say provenance again (laughs) 24 hours of Le Mans. So while I can tell you as someone who is from the place where this race is held, it's awesome having the WC here and we'd love mm-hmm. having them at no point in time. Would anyone ever uh, confuse the fact that the bigger deal at every Sebring event is going to be IMSA and something that has, as you mentioned, 70 ish years of uh of history behind it so no the wc great to have guests they're guests here and they run before the traditional 12 hours on saturday because they're guests and by no means the bigger deal so that's not meant to be a criticism of the wc but uh yeah trust me it'd be like imsa going to le mans and having a 12-hour race on friday uh, at no point in time would we ever be considered uh, the bigger deal, whether we were or we're not an international championship. Uh, we'd be playing on someone else's soil with uh, what's coming up to be almost 100 years of history. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've never heard a person uh, present the situation, Graham, where WEC was the bigger deal. Completely, completely agree. Uh, it's it's a blue ribbon event for him, sir. It's a blue ribbon event worldwide. Um, it is, to my mind, probably the biggest double header on anybody's calendar with two major championships on consecutive days. But it is the Sebring 12 hours meeting. It is Super Sebring because WC are joining uh, that weekend. But uh, for me, you look at Blue Ribbon events and uh, if you're asking people to list the most significant sports car events in the world, Sebring 12 hours will be in that top five somewhere 
the Sebring 1,000 1, miles rather won't be, and that's the that's the nub. Uh, it is a major WEC event, uh, a major WEC race. They are working on um, upping the ante in terms of its profile, but it's got a long, long way to go um, right now. Uh, I, I think it's a genius idea to have both championships uh, at the same track uh, on the same weekend. Long may that continue, uh, but Marshall, you're absolutely right. We are guests um, in your backyard and very happy indeed to be there. I also wonder, Graham, if the good folks in Green Park who are on a variety of legal and illegal substances, we uh, we assume at most times, are aware that there are guests who've come over from <laughs> Europe and are holding a race on Friday, or if they just think, uh, is this a little louder than usual on Friday, uh, or did the race start earlier than usual? I'm not I'm not sure folks no, are fully aware there's two races uh, during the event. I think they just turn the Grateful Dead up to 13, don't they? Yes. And, uh, and reach over for another bottle of tequila. Um, but, you know, bless them. Uh, it's, it's, it's great to be able to talk about people going trackside again. Isn't that great on this kind of front? And I think we are going to see something. I think it might take a little bit of time to get back there, but I do believe we're going to start to see people in – very big numbers coming back to these major events and i can't wait to see it it was it was both weird um and it was food for the soul to actually be able to talk to people in the paddock you know in the spectator areas uh, around sebring in the time that i got to do that we've missed it we want you guys back without a shadow of a doubt um, the only good part about not having fans there was you managed to get up the, uh, the circuit with no traffic relatively easily, but that's something I'd trade off for just, just, just the, 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 the feeling of being at a significant event. Um, and we've not had that in Europe for two years and coming across to Florida was a bit of a head spinner. Um, and yes, we had our fair share of positive COVID tests going home from a variety of people who were um, who were travelling. But I think we're just that's part of the adjustment to what's a new reality for us all. Speaking of a new reality, we have a question here that includes some all caps words. Oh, Trevor really? Nicola, Trevor, bring it. Yes, it says last week, Graham, you dropped a comment towards the end of the show in the future of Corvette racing at Le Mans. What mm-hmm. are you teasing, Goodwin? Besides the GT3 being the only AM category most likely in the future, will Corvette go as an AM team or not? What do you know? With three we, question we, we, marks at the end of that. What do you know, oh, Goodwin? It's, Trevor, it's Trevor Gagola. Trevor, I don't know anything. Um, I don't think Chevy yet know what the score is. Let, but put it this way. You're completely correct. GT3 it's going to be an AM category. There is going to be a new Corvette GT3. That is going to be a customer car. I have zero doubt that there will be teams interested in running that customer car, and I have zero doubt that the fact that it is a Chevrolet will be a plus when it comes to uh, a yes or a no from the selection committee of the ACO. What uh, what I think I was talking about was the NASCAR efforts and that that could be the only Corvette. Um, at Le Mans in, so sorry, it could be only Corvette, the only That's Chevrolet. Camaro, but yeah. <laughs> it could be the only uh, Chevy at uh, Le Mans in 2023. Did we just break um, news that uh, NASCAR and Chevy, they're switching, to the, they're switching to the Corvette model in NASCAR. Hashtag breaking exclusive scoop. We just yeah, did Yeah, mid-engine NASCAR, that, that would explode. The um, Yes, there'd the, the be debris and cooler boxes everywhere. Jordan Taylor, uh, you're a NASCAR driver, man. <laughs> Antonio Garcia, you're a NASCAR driver, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll remove the foot from my mouth. and uh, But the answer is it could be. It might be that's where Chevrolet decide to put their effort. Uh, I'm sure they won't be wanting to break their run. They did, of course, during COVID, but I'm sure they'll want uh, a representation uh, for the brand uh, on the GT3 grid. If nothing else, it will be effectively the launch year for that new car. So I think there is, again, a little bit of hashtag wait and see. What do I know? Nothing. I don't think anybody else, aside from senior management at Chevrolet, do either right now. Uh, but 
this, make no mistake, is going to be a very big, not quite a paradigm shift, but a very big shift indeed away from all pro GT racing to uh, pro-am. And if you think you've seen Super Silvers now, strap yourselves in. Oh, we got to strap yourselves in early in the show. Stephen Ellis asks, any word on if the Le Mans virtual event was successful? Seemed cool the first time, but the interest didn't seem to be there uh, like it was last year. Uh, I will be absolutely blunt with you, Stephen. I was doing other things that weekend, did not catch up with it. Couldn't tell you who won it is the, the straight and honest answer. Um, good luck to anybody that was involved in it. As I've said multiple times on the weekend sports cars, when we talk about um, esports and virtual racing, um, I am running a global news website pretty much single-handed most days. And to be blunt, no one is paying me to cover virtual racing, and therefore I've decided not to cover it because I've got plenty enough, thank you, of the stuff that I do have skin in the game for. So I think the answer is the inevitability is that it wouldn't have been as big a splash this year simply because we're back in racing now. We weren't when the first virtual Le Mans uh, took off. So I think the, the reality there is it's going to be a harder sell moving forward. If there's business there, if there's profile there, if there's clicks, whoever wants that, whatever it is, genuinely good luck. Um, it's, it's not a world at the moment that I'm in. And that is absolutely not saying anything whatsoever to anybody uh, directly involved in this. It's in exactly the same way as I don't write about Formula One. And I don't write about IndyCar because I'm not in that world. Um, I've got more than enough, trust me, to keep me busy. And I'm not going to sit uh, for 24 hours and watch someone else's event um, for which I'm not in any way being remunerated for. There we go. Uh, let's see. I don't know how many additional questions you want here. Damien Peachman asks, who will run the Cadillac WEC program next year? Uh, that would be Chip Ganassi Racing. The reason, Damien, they're fielding two cars this year in IMSA is to get that second entry tuned up and ready, uh, a team fully functioning and warm mm -hmm. and ready, so that when it's time to deploy a uh, single Cadillac LMDH uh, program, single car LMDH effort next year, uh, they'll already be more than capable of doing that. Uh, Damien yep. also asks, Graham, what are WRT's options for next year in LMDH if the Audi program doesn't happen? Well, the Audi program isn't going to happen. And if it is going to happen, it's certainly not going to be for at least a year. Uh, so uh, f from, from what I've been kind of digging into, I think... <sighs> It's not F1. That's not why this is happening. There are other things at play, and you don't have to look much further than Ukraine uh, and the tragedy that's unfolding still there to see the immediate challenges. That is having a major impact on a huge number of parts of everyday life outside of the war zone, let alone the, the awfulness that's going on in it. And one of those is it's very difficult to do business right now, and companies are hemorrhaging money as a result of these things. There is a cost to a sanctions process that goes well beyond the borders of the uh, the place you're actually targeting. So my belief is that a principal factor of the reason why we're not going to see Audi next year is to do with cash flow and that uh, belts have had to be tightened. Uh, as for what WRT's options are for next year, I'm going to take a guess at this that their option is LMP2. Um, I suspect that you're going to be seeing a lot of organizations taking a look, not at 2023, but 2024 at this stage. And this is not, by the way, aimed at WRT, but a range of the organizations that people may presume are going to slot right into a factory, semi-factory or privateer LMDH program. Uh, that actually that might take a little longer because of the money that's going to be involved in that. And that by that stage, there is another opportunity for them, and that's by uh, hitching their wagon to a factory, perhaps in GT3. So there's all sorts of options for some of the big teams. Remind you one more time what we've repeatedly said about LMDH and where and uh, LMH and where those customer teams might come from. It is not necessarily going to be 
the teams that have been blisteringly good in prototype cars. You know, you need to look at the at the money behind what's required for those cars. And if you're looking at the money, then it's far closer to the order of budget that you're getting for a GTE car, whether or not that's an AM or a Pro car, than it is for an LMP2 car. The gap you've got to make up um, is significantly more if you're an LMP2 uh, team uh, to get to the kind of budget for LMDH that it would be from a GTE. So that's not telling tales out of school. Um, it does give an indication as to some of the conversations that are happening across the sports car world on both sides of the Atlantic at the moment is if you're looking for where the privateers are going to come from, look further down the, the entry list than LMP2. All righty. Where should we go next? How about uh, Clement Rosin? It says a few seasons back, an automatic BOP Mm -hmm. process was introduced in GTE for the WEC. The system received praise by some teams for its accuracy and capacity to produce fair racing. Could such a system make a return for the new hypercar category in the coming seasons in order to reduce human involvement in a controversial process? Uh, I think they've got a job on their hands. Um, it's it, it's good to see that things are, be, are progressing in a kind of temper tantrum-free linear fashion with the process between the... Uh, the big brains at IMSA, the big brains at the ACO, who are working together to put together these processes and to validate the data, et cetera, et cetera. We spoke last week about those two sanction tests that are going to happen um, on the IMSA side of the pond. We know that there's the possibility now that um, the ACO may welcome um, one-off LMDH cars into the WEC this year, um, should they be ready to go. So, Things are plodding along. As to exactly how that process is going to work in year one and beyond, we've got some of the facts, not all of the facts. We know, broadly speaking, um, how they're going to keep cars into performance window. We've seen the tweaks they've made in the BOP this year uh, to uh, to align the hybrid deployment with the wheel size, et cetera, et cetera, as part of this expanded a balance of performance um, kind of project it's not dramatically different we've got three fundamentally different cars in hypercar this year Uh, we'll lose one the rebellion slash alpine next year and we'll gain the lmdh cars next year which deliver their power in a different way again Um, but i've zero doubt we're going to get some growing pains it's you know we've always set up we mp this is going to be a fiercely difficult process uh, but as for nailing this in, I would think we're going to have a paddock full of malcontents uh, in one regard or another um, for a good while after uh, the start of the 2023 season. As for the kind of the automatic BOP, that's a bit of hashtag wait and see, to see how things bed in, to see how good a job they do in the first instance, how quickly they can respond to any readily apparent uh, issues that emerge from that process and how happy people are moving forward. I want to compliment you, by the way, Graham, for a great idea you launched here. Sadly, he's no longer with us, but if Eric Broadley was still alive, yep. broadly speaking would be a, a great name for broadly a podcast. Broadly speaking, that wouldn't would be that a, be amazing? Right? Or a Lola, I'm going to see if I can sell that to a Till Bechtelsheimer. Um, all right, where else do you want to go? In your WEC Asm Elms ACO before we shift to whatever category you spin us towards next. Uh, Rat Nikolai says having a NASCAR at Le Mans would be great, but so what will it take to, for Hendrick to bring the car to the Nürburgring 24 hours? It'd be much, much better and louder if all three manufacturers bought the NASCAR to Le Mans. The answer, Nikolai, to the first bit is a cubic quantity of dollarage. Uh, to bring it to the Nürburgring 24 hours, because I'm pretty certain it wouldn't go back again in the form that arrived. Um, all three manufacturers brought their NASCAR to Le Mans. Well, Toyota are involved at the sharp end of the grid already. And who's the other one at the moment? It's, it's Ford, isn't it? Ford, uh, not showing a huge amount of interest in doing that. Uh, so they're not currently, uh, I think, on the uh, on the radar for the ACO. I agree, but this is let's call it what it is. It's a demonstration run effectively and a massive publicity coup for Chevrolet and general motors. Wouldn't that be Uh, like garage 307 
If it went to the 24 hours of Nurburgring with all the uh, entries they have, I don't know, uh, would they have to have some sort of pit lane in the sky? I mean, I don't know where you find extra space. Final one is going to be for Trevor Gagola, who says, when it comes to the FI endurance ladder, the LMS Asia Le Mans series, Michelin Le Mans Cup, how does the ladder work for the average gentleman driver, the true AM? Must they go through any of those series besides getting your FI license? Can you hop, hop right into WEC? And what is IMSA's role? Uh, on the ACO side, the answer is yes, you can hop straight into the FI WEC. Uh, you apply for and receive a ranking from the FIA. That entitles you to go racing. Sensible teams will have made sure that what you've got is a, is a better than basic level of safety and awareness. And, of course, they'll be looking for speed if the team's got any kind of hopes of, of getting uh, somewhere. We have got the odd driver here and there that perhaps don't have the pace that they would like to have. Um, but the answer is your um, eligibility is defined by your FIA ranking in any and all of those uh, those series. And the one thing at the moment you can't do, although they have had a waiver in the past uh, to allow a bronze driver to do it is you can't race in the top class, the hypercar class of WEC as a bronze driver. There you go. Speaking of going, where do we go next? We're going to get him in some mate. Of course we are. Uh, we're going to come your side of the good old pond. What? Uh, we're going to start with Andrew Bucker. Hey, is that Rocky or Rosie? That's Rocky. He wants to be fed. Uh, and it's Don't about 45 minutes early, pal. Yeah. I, I said your name, you fool. And Did you're you on the not podcast the yet again for daylight saving? What do you want, dude? Okay, you got Fair any enough. rock? You got anything else to say? Huh? No. Yo. Yeah. Oh. All right. See, see if that was if that was DSC cat uh, stunt stunt double here. He, he's got a meow that sounds like he's caught in heavy machinery, um, which you know you you have to learn to kind of slightly tune out. Always worried though just in case he has actually been caught in heavy machinery. Um, so you do <laughs> There you go. He's, he's protesting wildly Rock, now. Come on, dude. Give me a break. So, <laughs> he is not hearing it. He's, Andrew uh, Backer. He's grooming like the phone and biting work. my phone, by the way. <laughs> so uh, it's a full cat revolt. He's going to start nibbling on me if I don't feed him soon. So let's get going. Sorry. Let's go. Andrew Backer, how likely is it that WeatherTech Racing changes or threat to change manufacturer again this season? This comes in the wake of the announcement that uh, WeatherTech Racing will be progressing with their Mercedes AMG program at the expense oh, just, of. Just the, got an email, Graham. Uh, yeah. WeatherTech Racing has switched to a Ferrari for the okay. second half of the upcoming race at Long Beach. Okay. So there's, there's actually, they're going to do the IMSA GTD Pro equivalent of the original Formula E system Excellent. where you do the first half of the race in one vehicle, jump out, and then strap into another. In this case, though, instead of it being like Formula E with identical cars, I believe they have kind of a, a, a rotating uh, cartridge of GT3 machinery. So... That there's a pretty cool. Should we unveil like this too? Machine. Yeah, there's. Well, we'll just we'll break another hashtag breaking exclusive scoop on the weekend sports cars show brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. Uh, there's going to be a new uh, fan boost introduced by IMSA at Long Beach, where you get to vote on which car, Cooper McNeil and whichever manufacturer affiliated co-driver, oh. what they drive each time they pit. So they have to jump out of a car based on the fan boost. That little uh, rotating wheel of GT3 vehicles they own is going to spin, and uh, then uh, that we're going to find out exactly uh, which one they're going to drive. And so, yeah, pretty cool new feature. I, oh, new press release, Graham, just landed Acura. They've got a new Acura NSX GT3. Uh, so I think, yeah, reading that, that's going to be used. In, is that for the whole season? No, just opening practice. Then they're going to push it into uh, push it into the ocean afterwards. So, and try, hey, just in, Lexus. They're going to be using a Lexus RCF GT3 as well at Long Beach. So is that this just is, referring them to and from the hotel? Oh, this is going to be amazing. So get in early with your fan boosts. Uh, you're going to get to choose which car they drive. 
Um, and there might even be a chance for you to drive those cars too. The ones they jump out of, I think that's the other component we're waiting to learn about, Graham. Do you, do the, does the, that's the a proper fan boost. fans who do the boosting, do they get to then drive the discarded GT3 yep. specification I'm, car? I'm hearing from Julian Andlauer that he's interested in that. I mean, uh, Julian, get in there, get in there. So, um, all right. Sorry. Uh, look, kidding aside, they're going to do whatever is in their best interest. And I know that that's a very generic answer, but that is the one thing they have demonstrated. If they do not believe they have a favorable BOP, they have said, we're not going to play or we're going to switch. They have the financial means to do so, which is awesome for them. They're not beholden to any, uh, in one manufacturer, they, you know, they truly could Graham buy one of every model and pick and choose what they wanted to use based on the, uh, based on the event, what they thought the BOP, uh, was going to, how that was going to play out. If there's a, a car that might have uh, favorable, uh, handling characteristics or whatever, at whichever track they're going to, I mean, they could do bespoke choices per event if they wanted to granted again they don't own every gt3 model but i'm just saying this is one of a few teams in the paddock where if they wanted to do that they are certainly capable of doing it so do i think this is the last announcement (sighs) history would suggest it'd be silly to take that at 100 accuracy well I think we should move on rapidly before the change car again. Oh, new email. Uh, go okay, to, sorry. No. <laughs> we're going to go to a nihilist in a grumpy bear suit. That's changed again. Uh, at Das Roslar. Should I be feeling worried about next year? It's the end of March. It is indeed. Only the Porsche LMDH has done any track testing. I don't remember seeing anything about the BMW, Acura, or Cadillac since they were announced. Please restore the good car car vibes. It's the end of March and we're already panicking. <laughs> um, just so I'm clear, like these cars debut in competition 10 months from now and we're worried like, no, nah, man, we're fine. We're seriously fine. Uh, as we've learned coming out of Sebring, every manufacturer has one of the uh, Bosch slash Williams energy recovery systems that they're learning about working with with bench testing porsche being the only one to actually use that in on track testing as uh, i revealed a couple weeks ago we're fine what we're going to see is a flurry of lmdh slash gtp testing debuts once we get into the early stages of summer Uh, i know where acura for example will unveil i know the date and place where acura will do a public unveiling of their uh, gtp model but not necessarily the exact start date for when they will begin testing because i don't think most of the manufacturers listed here really truly can say with complete confidence that on date x this is when the car will roll out they of course have these things circled on a calendar they have called and tried to secure uh, time at whichever tracks if they don't plan on doing it first at something that they own that's 100% private but a couple months away nothing to be worried about um, a mid to late summer testing debut for a brand new model is often completely normal and mm-hmm. if we think about Formula 1 for example uh, these things roll out each year what two months or so month and a half to two months before the first race. And while I realize that these tend to be evolutions of last year's model, everything's also more or less brand new. Uh, so I'm not concerned in the least. So, uh, faith should be restored. All is good. All is healthy. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll scroll back to another couple here in a short while. Um, Brendan Bird said, last week you mentioned a test between LMP2, LMDH, and hypercars. Hypercars probably not going to be part of that test, Brendan. Um, they, they need to inform them whether or not they're going to be. At Road Atlanta and Daytona this fall, when a test is done to give the series data, who typically pays for it? How do they decide who's invited? 
Interesting. If we are talking about manufacturer-related testing with new vehicles, the manufacturers pay for that. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about something like IMSA, saying, hey, LMP team or two, we'd love to have you come run uh, to help us with some of the aforementioned benchmarking we discussed last week. Truly depends. If there's some sort of back scratching, mm-hmm. um, hey, we're going to ask you to do some running, but uh, we'll also let you do a half day or whatever um, at some point in time later. Um, that could be a bit of a, a barter. Normally, yeah. it would be the series and in whatever series straight up paying for that. I think that's what we would expect to see here, Graham, yeah. because you get into a little bit of a, a murkier situation where we're talking about an active LMP2 team. If they're being given some free testing and others are not from that class, you're going to have some serious, serious complaints coming in. So yeah. it's where you decide, okay, well, we are going to have, we're going to invite Team X lmp2 program to come and assist uh but we do not want a driver that is currently active uh in the championship competing you know you'll tend to see a little bit of stuff like that just to obscure the the direct benefit from that team getting laps at wherever assuming it's a track where imsa races so if they decide to go someplace where they don't then uh, i don't know how much of an issue anyone could raise okay uh let's have a quick look uh john schultz says i remember some time ago someone suggested that then newly introduced nascar cars could be modified for sports car racing especially in nascar affiliated imsa now with the chevy Le Mans project do you see such a prospect any more likely going forward i guess that is a question is that car going to just race at Le Mans, or is that the open door to something bigger yeah, uh, a sixth IMSA class, you say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, an even half dozen. Uh, I would be shocked if there was any consideration for that vehicle uh, to be allowed into points-paying IMSA-sanctioned competition. Could I imagine it being uh, wheeled out like we saw after the Delta Wing made its debut in 2012 at Le Mans, could I foresee it being repurposed one more time, maybe at Petit Le Mans? Something like that? I don't know. It seems to me like that wouldn't be the worst thing, provided yeah, it would be quite cool, wouldn't it? We had the, the, remember the year when we had the uh, the Porsche hybrid did Petit, didn't they? The yeah. uh, 911 hybrid. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, something like that. That could be quite kind of quite cool. But I don't, yeah. Uh, I would not imagine that we would see this becoming a new option for folks to go buy a cup car and race an IMSA or take your IMSA, your NASCAR car car and uh, do double time with that racing in IMSA. Granted, I think they've got a great, great future in GT America, I'll be honest with you. Uh, you, you know, maybe, maybe this is the 11th manufacturer that Scott Bove has ready to... Uh, <laughs> Unveil for his series. Sorry for the really strange, like, seven-year-old reference that very few would get. <laughs> right. We're going to c- complete with IMSA with two questions. Uh, one is, one directly to you from Zach Dean. Says, can you please give us a background on what we can expect from the historic IMSA cars coming to Long Beach in a couple of weeks' time? Are these cars from decades worth of racing? What are some of the favorites for, for us to look out for? Thanks so much. Oh, What's Zach. running Long Beach? Well, it, it's not a couple of weeks. It's next week. It's, okay. uh, we're what, nine days away now from okay. those cars being on track. Okay. My dear friend, Zach, uh, who is truly one of the smartest folks uh, listening to our show. Um, it's from what I regard as possibly the greatest decade of American sports car racing. Uh, 1980s IMSA the GTP cars in particular, also the GTO uh, vehicles as well. Just, I can't even, I'm struggling to put things into words and that's my job. 
Uh, phenomenal racing, phenomenal diversity, vastly different concepts. Turbocharged, naturally aspirated, crazy high downforce, not crazy high downforce. Uh, formula car design styles, traditional sports car design styles, uh, engines that were flat, engines that were in Vs, engines that were upright and in line, um, insane power, uh, no balance of performance uh, of anything like we know today, some of the greatest teams, greatest drivers ever to do anything. Um, Yes, so 1980s IMSA, GTP in particular, was popular enough at times, Zach, to rival, if not match, and occasionally slightly exceed IndyCar in terms of popularity, noting that IndyCar was the most popular form of racing in North America uh, forever, uh, up through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mid to late 90s, NASCAR started to take over in that capacity. But just know that in the 80s, when IMSA and IndyCar were, you know, the biggest things, this sports car series truly went head-to-head with IndyCar for crowd size and just amazing everything. So you're getting, we'll get to see, hopefully if you can come and watch, you'll get to see some of the greatest cars ever from this era. Um, In terms of performance capabilities, if we were to put these GTP cars on modern Michelin tires, none of them will have them. They'll be on Avons or some older uh, tires used commonly in vintage racing. But some of the cars that are coming to the event in the hands of a Pippo Durrani, Ricky Taylor, uh, whatever type crazy talent on the best modern tires, I have no doubt Graham would be seconds faster than the DPIs that will be competing on the same weekend. Granted, uh, we won't have a ton of amazing drivers in the cars, but Pat Long will be there in a Porsche 962. Um, uh, Tom Long. Tom Long's doing the 792 yep. Mazda, I think. Yep. yep, he'll be in the 92 Mazda four-rotor. Uh, McLaren Racing CEO Zach Brown will be in his 89 TWR um, Jag XJR10. Uh, right, so we do have some some decent operators for sure. Uh, I got a text from my pal Jer Hildebrand being very serious and saying, who do I talk to to get into one of those cars? And so uh, he wants to get in there, but I'm not belittling the current DPI cars. They are ugh, crazy state of tech and efficiency and all those things, but there are a couple of GTP models that will be at this event, the All-American Racers Eagle Mark III in particular, mm-hmm. that, yes, with a modern crazy driver and modern crazy tires, oh boy, uh, I think it would not be a good look uh, for IMSA or anyone else. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm going to be covering the snot out of it, Zach. So uh, look, I'll be there. We have IndyCar as the headliner on Sunday. IMSA is the headliner on Saturday. Uh, I'll be focusing mostly on IndyCar. We have another reporter who will be doing IMSA. Just saying the the historic gtp class it's only 10 cars and i know a lot of the people i mean i've been covering a lot of these same cars that show up each year to other vintage events but i'm going to be chucking cameras and audio recorders and all kinds of stuff uh zach brown said hey let's do a a visor cam helmet cam so we're going to do that Uh, i've already arranged to do one in the uh arc 792p uh gtp car that tom long will be driving with mazda uh, waiting to hear back from Pat Long, but expect to do something in the uh, Leighton House-sponsored 88 Porsche 962. Um, so, yeah, this is my era, my cars, the ones that I grew up loving and loving. Got to work in GTP uh, a little bit in one season in 1990. But, yeah, I'm just telling you, Zach, uh, go to the YouTubes and yeah. and do some searching. Uh, you can even go to my YouTube page, and I have some old IMSA content there. And yes, these are amazing. Free thinking. 
back when yep. rules were not a big limiting factor. You had all kinds of crazy ideas and they were all pretty much allowed and played out however they were meant to play out. Best ideas won, worst ones lost, and nobody cried to the sanctioning. Well, they all cried to the sanctioning body, but uh, they had to uh, live with their decisions. Come back the following year and do better. Now, remember, MP, I'm going to remind you before you get there that so there is that uh, that injunction uh, after the unfortunate window-licking episode last time. Uh, you need to, to stay two or three steps back away from the car uh, this time. We don't want any more of those scenes. The, the, I mean... The, Cars spinning off on your drool was not a good look. Well, what else is new? Um, Graham Goodwin, we got a little bit more time. Um, what should we do next? Where should we go next? I know you said, I think you said you had two questions uh, here. Rocky, uh, shut up. That's there was you, one more. The one more in IMSA, which was Don Gregory says, hi, MPGG. Any news regarding IMSA exploring new venues? their schedule in the next couple of years for one i'd love to see them back at del mar well in which case that's not a new venue come on let's cover all the bases here don don come do on, the work man. yeah having been at del mar for that street air quote street race held around the grounds of a horse racing track um, yeah. it was cool i really loved it and wish we could go back but yeah i mean I don't want to sound like Mr. Downer guy, but IMSA always has an option or two of a new place to go. It would require someone saying, hi, we want to give you money to come to our track. Not uh, in almost every scenario where the series decides, hey, we'd like to go to a place and they just go like, IMSA truly needs to be paid to go just about everywhere they go. Um, and so that's honestly where things kind of kick off, Don, right? So the, hey, we should go here, we should go there. I totally agree. Would love to go back here or go to a new place, whatever. Just always try and remind folks that we need to think of most major racing series like uh, bands, uh, like music acts. They don't just rock up at the local whatever stadium and play. They are courted. You know, they might announce they're going on tour, but uh, they receive uh, offers and inquiries to go to these various places, are often guaranteed a certain amount of money plus whatever percentage, you know, tickets come, folks coming through the gate and whatever, whatever. And, you know, this is a financial transaction that underwrites everything that they do. So, one of the reasons that IMSA is loath to stray from that is they have a bunch of events that have been on the calendar for a long time that have proven to be fairly rock solid. Not all of them are big draws, but most of them do well. I hate to keep mentioning it, but my local track here, Laguna Seca, uh, might be the lowest attended of all events. And who knows if that will keep them coming back. But nonetheless, just about everything on the calendar works. And so messing with that by introducing new events for the sake of, I would struggle to see that, Don. Last little thing to note here, and this is pressure being applied from the paddock, as I say a lot of words that start with the letter P. There's persistent pestering from those pesky principals running prototypes <laughs> And GT cars as well saying, hi, this gets really expensive every year and more expensive. And, and, and you want us to go to more events, not a chance in hell. So whatever interest we might have in seeing some new venues, Graham, cause I gotta admit, I get bored of going back to the same places year after year after year. Uh, it's tempered by, is someone going to throw a lot of money at us to consider going mm -hmm. somewhere else, uh, to replace one of our current events. That's the big thing. So adding new rounds on top of the existing, not really IMSA's direction. And that is always kept firm in their minds by their entrance saying, do not give us a 13th race on the calendar or a whatever number it might be. We simply cannot afford it. Yep. I think that's a fair point. Right. It's a bit of a grab bag here from our 
Herr General, General, and the fun um, categories. We've rolled a few over from last week here. Do you want to grab a couple and I'll grab a couple, MP? Well, we were both told to stop grabbing things, so... Uh, yeah, that's another one with that injunction, okay. the and the grabbing. So this is full honor and in deference to our friend, the amazing Daniel Summersgill, who puts together our questions each week. The man greater capability maybe we're putting the challenge out uh i feel like andrew backham might be able to rise to the challenge but daniel and his obscure uh questions obscura no one else can touch this man so i'm just saying can you rise to the challenge i think summer's gill is going to dunk on you in, in uh, the weekend sports cars this week yeah and the weekend sports cars uh wrestlemania bracket <laughs> daniel's the heavyweight champ you can come well, for him teammate. you can call him out daniel is gonna body slam you but tr- i want to see folks try all right he says sro have the silver cup made made up of three silver drivers sorry and, i'm bored already yeah uh, <laughs> i'm gonna start over because you have broken his beautiful stream of consciousness <laughs> question about shit you and i would have never thought of but i'm throwing it at you sucker because you told me to go first daniel Summersgill says sro have the silver cup made up of three silver drivers and now the gold cup consists of one bronze one silver and a free choice of drivers graham goodwin gold is generally seen as being more valuable than silver both in terms of sport and in driver rankings but the gold cup seems to be a lower category than the silver cup the new gold cup Makes little sense to me and seems likely to confuse fans. What is your opinion on it? Right. Okay. Deep breath. Uh, This comes from the train of thought that brings you GT2 being a lesser class to GT3. And the other bit you're confused about is it seems likely to confuse fans. It clearly has. The reality is it's not designed for fans. It's designed for the teams and the drivers. That's not me being dismissive. That's a reality. What this is all about it effectively re- replaces the AM class that's uh, that's gone for this year. Um, and what this is all about is you will recall uh, SRO being amongst the sanctioning bodies that has announced that they will make some determinations of their own about driver rankings. And what that's all about is two things. One is uh, to keep a fairness within the classes so that you don't have super silvers or you know I don't, uh, blinding bronzes or whatever. Uh, but it's also so they don't lose teams and customers. So they've got effectively a catch-all class to put people into. It is all about keeping the teams they want on their customer books without having this long, tedious, repetitive process of um, it's almost like one of those pursuit cycle races. You pedal away at the front, you do really well, you go to the back. Um, it's it's about driver rankings. It's about keeping their customers. It's about replacing a class that was dead in the water anyway. That's am. That's what this is about, Daniel. It's it's basically them making the difference between a, a entry list that's got fifty two cars on it and an entry list that's got forty two cars on it. And in terms of whether or not you or I or anybody else is confused by it, as long as the drivers paying the bills and the teams bringing those cars are able to make sense of it and to slot into that structure. The reality is that that's what this is for. That's why this matters. It's about numbers and it's about a business case. And that, as we've said repeatedly, is when you get below a certain level, particularly with uh, SRO's business case, that's what this is about. There is nothing to, 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 to say that's a wrong thing, by the way. There's nothing wrong with that. There are some awesome teams and awesome drivers going to be in that Gold Cup uh, this season, and I'm glad they're going to be there. But this is about making sure they can get as many of those teams into their um, paddock, onto the track, and into the accounts books at the end of the race, at the end of the, the year, as they possibly can. Once you get that truth uh, ingrained, it makes a lot more sense uh, as to what otherwise, I completely agree, are pretty muddy waters between those classes. Okay. Uh, 
Sam Piper asks, not sure what section this is for, mm-hmm. but as Marshall finished retweeting cat photos. <laughs> is this the one about uh, having your pets named after racing drivers? Or children, yes. Or children. Yeah, yep. or children. Um, I think so, Sam. Got a couple ones that have trickled in. You want to know the fun part? And again, none of this stuff really matters, but uh, I think we had something like five to 600 uh, responses to that, comments or, or whatever else. So it was actually a lot of fun. And I was yep. retweeting, you know, pretty much everything. I can tell you for sure. Some, I don't know, 50 to 100 people decided they'd had enough um, because I, saw one thing where i'm like oh a lot of folks unfollowed my ass in a 24-hour span <laughs> but uh and you know again whatever it doesn't not only does it not matter but i actually think it might be a good thing yeah, because if you, know. you are a human being who actually has a limit and says enough of seeing cute cats dogs pets and humans named after race car drivers you you, you, you are evil and, and dark-hearted <laughs> And just, you're not part of my tribe. So actually, I think it was a good culling of of broken people who are mean. So there you go, Marshall. You unfollowed me as well. So I, we're going to talk about that offline afterwards. Good one. Yeah, if, if, you, if you've got a limit, he'll find it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Why don't you grab one or two there, and then we're going to say farewell because Rocky is truly uh, about to start chewing my head. Have- a quick look one here from johnny trotts uh, john schultz given its track record which grand prix team should buy collar switch to for its newly unveiled lmh car if they lost the name dispute against the van wall 1958 project no doubt i have it on uh, good authority they're ready just in case um they're clearly well-founded case for um the trademarking of the very British fan wall brand uh, in Germany. Um, Andrea Moda, Ooh. I believe, the LMH. It'd be the Andrea Moda LMH, the car guaranteed, probably not to make it out of the pit lane. But see, um, I, I heard I, I heard slightly conflicting stuff. I heard it was going to be by Spiker, so uh, slightly different. Um, yes. Can't but, be now, though. Can't be, because Spiker is part owned by S&P Bank, and they've got sanctions sanctions of awesomeness right they're too awesome <laughs> so they've got to be less awesome that's what you're saying midland, i midland. think it could be midland that, right. that, midland it's very close to medland by the way but not by in, but see midland. by medland uh <laughs> yeah that would be a slightly add uh <laughs> sports car program that uh stopped to drink a lot of coffee hey, listen um, colin if colin colin if you're listening Please don't kill it, us. Yeah. We know <laughs> if you can. Go all in. Don't go half-heartedly into this. Don't go for kind of 1950s. Did you say half-fartedly? If no, so, half, that's my new hashtag, half-fartedly. Half-heartedly. Heartedly. half a heart, okay. you know how bad that is. Um, go for it. Ferrari, McLaren, just go for it. You know, we'll, we'll back you up. We'll. I'll, I will hold your coat. Ferrari. That's what I'll do. Yes. That Fer- just, the just, new Ferrari LMH. Yes. On, that could go badly wrong, couldn't it? No, do it, man. Come on, Colin. That'd be awesome. Uh, well, I've got a better one. Better one. Another long gone uh, name of an Italian sports car manufacturer. And it would be sh- absolutely certain to get huge backing from the weekend sports cars fans. Oscar. Ooh, yes. The Oscar. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Vehicle and dog-related provenance here. I and, love and it. More, and, and not only that, newsworthy, because Colin, in launching that, could make an inappropriate joke and could someone go slap his ass. Speaking of slap his ass, uh, you got one more here, Goodwin, or are you taking us home? Uh, let's have a quick look. Let's go with Jamie Creasy. Jamie says here, uh, hope you're all doing well. Graham, I saw your tweet that Andy Pilgrim is going to be driving a Ferrari 458, correct, GT3 in GT America this season. He is indeed. That leads me to my question. How is a car that's been out of production for nearly seven years able to run and be competitive with today's GT3 machines? You've given the answer. 
in the question, Jamie? And the answer is Andy Pilgrim. And they lost their Ferrari 360 Modena. So they kind of, they can only yeah, 40, find the 458. Yeah. yeah. So we, we did, you know what MP we did absolutely did for, um, two part seasons. I think we had a Ferrari F40 running. This is years after the car went out of production in the British GT championship. Uh, this would have been in the early 21st century, but the car ran with a Ferrari 550 Maranello V12 engine in the back. That's bizarre, but I love bizarre. Great. Great. All right. Um, well, that'll be it for, for now. Uh, I will take it home. And thanks, MP, for another hour of your time, or whatever time it is, uh, wherever you are in the world at the moment. Thanks for everybody listening. Thanks in particular for Dan, Daniel Summersgill, who did a great job in turning around these questions so very, very quickly. Thanks to the awesome Roger Warwick for yet another fabulous tune. That MG Loader raised a smile when I saw that. Uh, for the first time uh, earlier today. Thanks, of course, again to Cooper Tyres, to the Justice Brothers, and to TorontoMotorsports.com uh, for their continued backing for this madness. Um, he's been Marshall Pruitt. Uh, they've been Rocky and Rosie, and very noisy they've been too. He strangled them because um, they've gone quiet. Uh, I've been Graham Goodwin on this side of the pond here in the UK. This has been the Week in Sports Cars, part of Marshall Pruitt's fantastic podcast output. We will speak to you next week.